Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, the host of more than 200 interviews with pilgrims from around the world who have walked El Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. They're legacy podcasts. That means you can listen to them at any time, so they don't age and they're not time-specific. You can subscribe to the podcast to receive a fresh episode at 6pm Tuesday Sydney time each week or Tuesday morning in the Northern Hemisphere. Just go to the podcast icon on your phone, search for My Camino and hit subscribe. And you can follow the podcast on Facebook. And you can sponsor me. Just go to danmullinsmusic.com and you'll find links to my Patreon page. You might like to buy me a Café Con Leche each week. (laughs) Pilgrims have walked for centuries in the footsteps of St. James the Stronger, one of Christ's apostles. James's remains are interred in a crypt beneath the majestic cathedral in his name, in the city in his name, Santiago de Compostela, or St. James under a field of stars in northwest Spain. I've never actually Googled pilgrimage, but I did this week, and the definition struck me as pretty close to what I've learned and heard on this podcast. A pilgrimage is a journey, often into an unknown or foreign place, where a person goes in search of new or expanded meaning about their self, others, nature, or a higher good through the experience. It can lead to a personal transformation after which the pilgrim returns to their daily life. It's actually a very good summary, really. And pilgrims have told me the Camino changed their lives. Some say they didn't know they needed enlightenment. They didn't know they would or should find that expanded meaning. Maybe they walked their pilgrimage simply to seek adventure. What a wonderful entitlement to have the opportunity to take time to seek and find adventure. I've said before, I found two things on the Camino, two things I simply never have, and we all need, time and space. When I told someone this week of my discoveries, that's time and space, they started to cry. I suspect they too would like to find time and space, and adventure, and perspective, and perhaps enlightenment, and a personal entitlement. Why not be generous to yourself? We're all happy to help others. Why not help ourselves? The vaccine is being rolled out around the world, but here in Australia we learned this week the government is not expecting to let us travel overseas until next year, such as life. We can dream of enlightenment and of Caminos. And as we prepare to speak to this week's guest, I'm reminded of the quote from Phil Cousineau, the American author who wrote The Art of Pilgrimage, The Seeker's Guide to Making Travel Sacred. I am convinced that pilgrimage is still a bona fide spirit-renewing ritual, but I also believe in pilgrimage as a powerful metaphor for any journey with the purpose of finding something that matters deeply to the traveller. With a deepening of focus, keen preparation, attention to the path below our feet, and respect for the destination at hand, it is possible to transform even the most ordinary journey into a sacred journey, a pilgrimage. My guest this week is an Australian pilgrim. Juliet Clark formed the Newcastle Camino Group. She's on the line. Welcome, pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. And how, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm fantastic. It's middle of summer <laughs> here and you and I are not far apart, only two and a bit hours apart, I suppose. It's lovely yes. to talk to you. Do you agree with thank that you. definition I found on the internet that a pilgrimage is a journey, often into an unknown or foreign place where a person goes in search of new or expanded meaning about their self, 
others, nature or a higher good through the experience that can lead to a personal transformation after which the pilgrim returns to their daily life. Absolutely. It's a, it's a journey which you start, in my case, at 6am in the morning in Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port and it wasn't cold but it was chilly and the lights uh, were still on in this in this little little street and the sun wasn't up and the hotel manager of the albergue looked at me and shook his head but why do you leave so early <laughs> and i thought ah but i need to get over the mountain <laughs> before the rain you know i'd heard all these terrible stories about that first day out um so you don't know what's ahead you have no idea you just have to have faith yeah. And one step at a time and a light heart. Yeah, a light heart. Oh, I like that. I'm going to steal that. Tell us how the Camino came into your life, Juliet. Back in 2012, uh, a friend of mine said, how about we go to Spain? And I said, oh, okay, all right, we can do that. Well, we'll go for three weeks. And and then uh, the movie, The Way, came out. It was released so I looked at that and we both thought, oh, that's interesting. Well, we could walk, we're healthy. But then we looked at Spain a little uh, further and um, we, we felt, no, we'll just do three days so <laughs> of the Camino. So literally this was the Juliet Molina gourmet pilgrim trip. <laughs> and we, <laughs> girls on tour. <laughs> and, uh, yep, we were looking for art, history, design, architecture, music, culture, food, religion. And um, we thought Spain would be just the spot. And um, initially we were hoping to do about two weeks on the Camino, but um, we thought, no, we'll, we're all the way from Australia and it's not easy to to get to Europe at the best of times, such a long trip, and let's have a look at Spain, do a little bit of the Camino. So so that's what we did. And um, we drove to Santiago, left the car there, and took a local bus to Melide, jumped off the bus and walked back. So we only had two nights staying um, on on the trail. Um, before we got back into Santiago, then we picked up a car and drove to Finisterre, across the top, through the Picos de Europa, down to Rioja, San Sebastian, across the French border to Biarritz, to Lourdes, and then across to Cape Legat. And we took in all the um, Dali museums and... Um, wow. Gadigas and then down to Barcelona and saw all the Gaudi, had about a week in Barcelona. So um, we still have got a little bit of Spain to see, but that initial introduction of three days on the Camino really captured me. And um, it took me four years to get back. I did all the planning and then one day my husband said to me, when are you going? And I said, well... I'd want to go next year in March, but we've got something organised then. But I can go in two months, in August, the end of August. So I sat for three days and planned. I booked everything. It happened. There wasn't a problem. Um, you know, I used frequent flyer points, went economy class from, <laughs> from Sydney on that, um, into Paris, took the train 
um, TGV down to Biarritz and the little train up to St John. Um, I think I booked the first first night over the, the mountain into Ronson Bay and the rest I just walked and it worked out. Fantastic. And that was that. And that yeah, that was the first first time I'd been away from my family or been away for a long time, you know, by myself. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to get to mm. that because it's a really interesting part of your story, actually. But you walked that Camino in, in 2016, the France says, to raise money mm. for the Hunter Medical Research Institute. And, right. and the walk was called 3D Healing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you say that those 3Ds, diabetes, dementia and depression, are the mm-hmm. three rampant diseases of this century. What motivated you to walk for charity? Um, I th- <laughs> Strangely enough, um, I, during my entire life, I've always done things for charity and I felt really privileged to be able to do this walk because it is a long time. So, um, you know, when I was away from from the family, they were very happy for me to go, of course, yeah. but um, I thought, well, not everybody can get away and do this, and I had met a chap who'd done this walk prior to myself. He was the chairman of HMRI, and um, he said, well, why don't you use what I've already set up? And I thought, oh, that's perfect because going back a, few, or a year or two before that, I'd been um, hosting an art exhibition for people who were suffering from depression that they could um, exhibit their works and I would try and sell them. They'd get some a profit, a percentage of the profit, and then the remainder of the profit would go to Beyond Blue. And then on the la- I think I did that for four years and the last year I set up a, a scholarship at Newcastle University for a uh, honours student to specifically look into an area of um, the causes oh, awesome. of, um, of depression, yeah. So it, I guess to answer your question, it was just um, everything just fell into place. It, was, yeah. it felt, felt like the, the, the right fit yeah, yeah. for me, yeah. It's interesting, the 3Ds, um, because pilgrimage is good for diabetes and for depression mm. and maybe for someone who's watched a loved one drift away from them on the sea of dementia – Mm. And, and and I read your blog, you wrote on the Camino and you wrote after walking into Roncesvalles, you said, a blessed day couldn't have been more so. Perfect weather, clouds trailing the Pyrenees, grazing cattle, sheep, goats, pigs, horses, tinkling distant bells sounding to the farmers where herds are located. And you said, I wonder what lies ahead. Yeah. When you think about how your Camino then panned out, do you think you had any idea on that first day what actually would lie ahead? No, not at all, not at all. It was simply a matter of going back to John Briley's um, definitive <laughs> guidebook yeah, yeah. and saying, oh, okay, I think I can go from there to there or go to there and um, could possibly stay there or there, you know. Um, didn't look at that too much and just walked. But the important thing was for me because I was walking to have some questions answered. And I thought, well, the only way to have the questions answered is to really pay attention every day. So before I would step out 
away from where I was staying that night, I'd stand on the doorstep and I'd say, what am I meant to learn today? And then I'd finish that day and I'd get to the next place and I'd say, well, what did I learn? And so I, I made a note of all of that. And I found that there was a, a, a thread beginning to form of, of unravelling all these questions. So I didn't allow the questions to fog my way. They were just there. I was conscious of the questions, but I wanted to reach out. I didn't know I was going to do that, mind you. I, it's just what I did. I started. It was like I was told this is what you need to do to have all this answered because no one's going to come and give you the answer. You will find it in your journey. Wow, You will find great. the answers in your journey. So, yeah, asking the questions and then listening for the answer. Um, and sometimes it would come even uh, some, a person would sit down at the table with you and they tell you your story, their story. Yeah. And you go, okay, I can see something in that story mm. that I can learn from. Maybe that helps me answer my question as well. Oh, that's great. And, and yeah. actually, I was reading your blog and a few days later you wrote, walk in silence, listen to my body, feeling the weight of my backpack, focus on posture, notice feelings, release. Mm. Was that process easy for you? Um, I probably wrote that after uh, maybe two or three days where I noticed pains in, yeah, in my groin. And because I, I had studied and trained as a yoga teacher before I started this walk, not to do the walk, but I had just done that training, I knew how the body worked. So I'd stop and fiddle with the backpack and <clears throat> start to throw a few things away. But I realised I wasn't standing properly. I wasn't walking correctly. I was walking with my legs, not so much powering through through my um, glutes. Right. And, and I really needed to lift the core because with a backpack it's easy to slump forward. Yeah. And tighten the strap around the waist a little bit more and, you know, just, just fiddle with it, adjust it. Yeah. And, and, and really breathe, breathe with this thing. And eventually this shooting pain stopped because I noticed myself. Yeah, how interesting. And, 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 I, and I used my breath. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know, yoga is all about breath. Of course, yes, of course, of course. Oh no, I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's why I love yoga so much. The 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 great thing about that is you had the awareness to know something wasn't quite right, mm, and your mm. body was telling you, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, I knew I wasn't in trouble. Um, I was just not stacked up properly, you know. Yeah. I wasn't packed properly. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't packed properly. Hey, that and, sounds better. Yeah, it does sound better. <laughs> hey, and you, you caught the flu. Oh, yeah, my God. I think like two days out. Where was I? Um, Ponte Lorena. Oh, no. Had, had a really funny night. I, I met a lady who I had previously met in St. Jean and we'd had dinner the, last night before I left in that morning. And um, she was staying in the same albergue. Um and she lived in a little island in Greece, and she was English. And uh, anyway, she said, oh, do you want to go and have dinner? I said, sure. Well, 
we forgot that our albergue had a curfew, you know, how you have to be in bed by 10 o'clock, lights out, da-da. <laughs> anyway, we were having such a great night. Um, it must have been half past 10. Well, the whole town was quiet and, and no lights. So we were belting on the back door, but nobody could let us in because they couldn't hear us. Anyway, a local walked past and um, said, can I help you? And this lady could speak some Spanish. And so she organised to um, get a key and let us in. But we got wet because it was raining. Mm -hmm. And I then was really susceptible to getting a flu and it was horrid. Anyway, I walked for two weeks with this vile flu um, and I think... I think I had a night or two in a hotel just to keep away from other people because I was coughing so badly. It was not pleasant. And um, didn't want to spread those germs. Yeah. Um, but, I, but, you know, it was surprising. I, I actually felt good but, and I kept walking huh. and walking and I did full days. And the routine didn't change. I just wow. kept going. And, yeah, I think I well, may have got to Laura Sawana and... I felt crook. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Because, ah, uh, yes, because I was looking, uh, Legrono. Yeah, I was looking because a friend of mine told me about a bar called Bar Soriano. It's famous for its mushrooms, El Shumpy. That's and so funny. I was funny. so disappointed. I couldn't go because I felt so crook. I really did. And I went back to the albergue, which, mind you, was awful, <laughs> and had a really awful meal. But the best thing happened. I met the nicest people. You see? Doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I missed the mushrooms, but I met the nicest people. Mm. And they sort of tagged me over the next 10 days, I'd say. And we'd stop you know, somewhere along the way. <laughs> We'd pull up one girl, she'd um, hurt her ankle, so she hired a bike. She was from Holland. And um, so she decided she'd ride. She couldn't walk, so she'd ride. And so she'd just stop and we'd chat and we'd, you know, walk along a little bit together. And another fellow lived in Pamplona and he said, oh, come and visit, come and visit. But I didn't because I still had the flu then and his wife wasn't well. So I didn't want to, yeah. you know, sp spread my germs <laughs> did you, did, any further. Did you manage to see a doctor? No. No, okay. No, no, I went armed with antibiotics. Okay. Not that they necessarily no, no, help in no, this case. Not. But it was, it was just a matter of keeping going, yeah. keeping going and have plenty of water and good food. And if, I, if I'd hit the wall, I would have stopped. But no, I, I got over it. And then it was fun. So I forgot about that and then off we went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kept going. Yeah. So, so you, you headed off on your own. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel safe? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah? Absolutely. And, yeah, and did, absolutely. You, did you walk each day then alone or did you find yourself part of sort of groups here and there? And how, tell us, take, just take us through the, the process. What did an average sort of day look like for you? Um, I would get up and leave just before sunrise because it's so spectacular that you cannot deny yourself that joy, <laughs> you know. And if you don't like getting up early, well, get over it, get up <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it is unbelievable to see this orange sun just come up and you're walking away from it and so you bathe. 
it's in in this orange sun. It's just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And the whole, and it it paints the landscape. So all the colours and reflections and the shadows, it's it's otherworldly. You don't see anything in Australia like it. I uh, our sun rises and that's it. Yeah. But this one just slowly comes up, and the whole landscape stays in these beautiful changing colours for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. How will I ever forget yeah. the Spanish sunrise, the Spanish sunset? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Totally. Oh, my, yeah, my word. That was just mm. it was just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and so take a, we'll take a step back. Did you do much training before you went? You're pretty fit, but did you do much sort of specific um, long walking? I I did walk, but I, I didn't walk for days. Right. You know, it's funny those people say you you should train, but in point of actual fact, you can't train for a Camino. You can... You got, I, I went to the gym, I did aerobic training, I did strength training, I was doing a lot of yoga anyway, um, a lot of meditation, so very much into mindfulness meditation and self-awareness. I was fit, and but it's a different fit on the Camino, and I really think that you need to be mentally fit. I saw people walking who I thought probably shouldn't be walking, but they were going at their pace. They eventually made it. I mean, there was a group of pilgrims who were blind and they had um, chaperones. Each one had a chaperone who would tap them on the elbow to indicate where to walk. And they all made it to the cathedral. They were sitting in the front of the cathedral when I arrived. You know, so anybody can walk, but I think... To walk the Camino and get the most out of it, you just need to let go of of all of the fear, um, the what-ifs of trying to get it right. There's pharmacies all along the way, so you don't need to take a pharmacy in your backpack. <laughs> you know, less is best. <laughs> yeah, that's right, less is you best. Know. Did you stay in albergues? Uh, I did, yes, yes. And did you always yeah. get a bed? I did, I did. Um, the first night after Ronsevay, um I can't remember the name of the place, but um, anyway. Zubiri? It was before Zubiri, yeah, it could have been. Just went a bit past. Um, I arrived and it was a long weekend, so the municipal was closed and... The other two albergues were full. Right. Well, I thought, well, this is this is going to be a problem. <laughs> I um, I don't want to go to Pamplona and then have to get a cab back and get going the next day. So I thought, I'll just sit here, and um, and we'll see what happens. So it, you know, there must have been twenty people waiting to get a bed, and the the owner of the manager, you know, said, okay, you're on the list, you know. You're number nine or whatever. And with that, a lady arrived with her friend and she said, look, I have a bed booked, but I found my friend and um, she doesn't have a booking. He said, I'm sorry, I I can't give you a bed. So um, she said, well, in which case I I won't stay. I'll go with my friend. So he looked at me and said, would you like the bed? Ah, thank you. There you go. The Camino (laughs) provides. That's awesome. The Camino provides. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that night it was a beautiful place and very modern and clean and they provided 
meal. Uh, it was absolutely fabulous, you know, wine, everything. Wonderful company. Really, just, it couldn't have been better. That's great. So, that, so that's how I walked. Yeah, I yeah. trusted. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and when you, you mentioned earlier that, that about an albergue and you said it was pretty awful, but how did you cope with the often simple and very basic facilities, the showers and bathrooms and the like? Well, I went to boarding school when I was 11, you see, so <laughs> it doesn't get more simple than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And, and I've done a lot of camping in my life. <laughs> so you were fine with you know, it? up around the Mile Lakes where there's <laughs> no, nothing happening. Yeah, so, yeah, that's great. So it doesn't worry me, no, no. I read in your blog that you walked with Chileans and, and people from all other parts of the world. Yeah. Did, did you enjoy that camaraderie of those global pilgrims and that 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 coming together from all corners of the earth? Oh, absolutely. Um, the interesting thing is that if you can't speak the language, you can communicate and you, you all work it out because you're all having such a good time and you're all on the same journey, mm. different but the same, we're going to the same destination. Um, and everybody's happy, so you're sharing a meal, you know. Uh, everyone knows a little bit of Spanish or a little bit of French or Italian, and, you know, you can put it all in and work it out anyway. <laughs> and I, I was um, gathered up, you might say, after a stalker by three Italian fellows, and uh, they said, come walk with us. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. I'm walking alone. I'm having a great time, happy to talk. No, 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 you come and walk with us. Well, anyway, this went on and on and on. So, okay, I'll come and walk with you. So we sat down for lunch. And I don't know if you read about this one, but it was quite funny. Yeah. I figured out that there's no point buying the bocadilla, the, the, the bread roll, because by lunchtime, you know, if you bought it in the morning, it's, it's yeah. not in good shape. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. And you're not really that hungry. You just need some quick nutrition. Um, so I, I would buy a bread roll at the supermarket when I arrived in wherever. And... Um, a can of sardines. So I could stop wherever and I'd open a bread roll and I'd pour the can of sardines and all the oil into that and um, there you go, I had the omega-3, so I was fine. <laughs> so anyway, I was with these three uh, gorgeous Italians and they're going to have the lunch. Because they said to me, no, we have the breakfast, we have the lunch and then we have the dinner. Right, okay, big <laughs> emphasis on food. I like you guys. <laughs> so here we were. They ordered this beautiful lunch of cut salamis and eggs and they had a beer and they looked at me and said, well, what are you having? So I reached into my bag and I pulled out my bread roll and my can of sardines. Well, they nearly fell off their chairs laughing. <laughs> they, they thought that was fabulous. <laughs> so I walked with them for, uh, well, the best, the, I think it, I was about a week out of Santiago. So we all kind of split up, but one of them, would walk with me and ahead of me. Yeah. But we'd all catch up at night and then we collected more Italians and, um, you know, people from other areas of the world and somehow they were all texting and we'd all end up at an albergue and, you know, it, it was lots of fun on, on quite, quite a number of those nights. And then coming 
down the road where it splits and goes to Samos. I said, well, I'll leave here because I'm going down to the monastery. They didn't want to go. I said, oh, that's fine. Okay, I'll see you in Santiago. But anyway, one of them came with me and really opened his eyes. He said, oh, my God, I just would have walked past this. This is, this is unbelievable. And the history. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the other thing with um, the Camino is, is this rich history yeah. of the Moors and uh, the Knights Templar. And, you know, I very much follow all of that Knights history. And so to me this was, and I, I was a history teacher once upon a time in another, another life. <laughs> so it was really an amalgamation of, of all these things that I'd learned in my life. And so doing this Camino was at the right time for me. Yeah, how wonderful. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I love mm. Samos. I think it's a really special place. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Now, uh, did you get blisters? No, I didn't. I didn't. I uh, The first Camino I did, the one in 2012, the three-day one, I had shoes that were too small. Uh, they weren't, you know, I hadn't walked them in. I hadn't done any training. I just walked. So I learned that you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I had really good shoes, but I decided to tape my feet with that paper tape, Fleximol tape. Right. Or Hyperfex, they call it. So I took a roll of that. So every morning I would clean my feet with alcohol wipes, cut the tape and um, plaster my feet and never had a problem. Right. Not so, a hot spot, nothing. No, no, well, there you go. What was the name <clears throat> of the tape again? Uh, it has a few names. Uh, Flexumol. F-L-E-X-U-M-O-L or Hyperflex. There you but go. It's, it's a paper sticky tape. There so you it go. stretches. Yeah, it's wonderful stuff. So you, yeah. you, you walked from September through October. What was the weather like? Mm-hmm. Quite hot, actually. Yeah, quite hot to start off with. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my walking pants zip off. So I noticed the backs of my legs burning. And I, I had all these blisters, but it was like a, an allergy. Mm. I don't know if it was to the dirt or grass seeds or sun, but it was all up the back of my legs. And it's something you actually have to take an antibiotic for. Um, first time I had that, it makes you feel quite unwell. So I walked fully covered with the long sleeve shirt and the pants on for a couple of days until all that cleared up. Tell us about arriving in Santiago de Compostela. The day I walked in, I started the morning um, with my Italian friend, Fulvio, Mm. and uh, I had noticed in probably 24 hours before that that walking with these people, although it was wonderful, and I'll be forever, you know, um, rejoicing about that because we all had such a good time. Yeah. But <laughs> it's the but. You don't get to do your own walk because the planning became their mission. It was almost like they wanted to look after me and I realised that I'd stopped doing my walk and I really needed to go back seven days and and redo it. There was nothing wrong with it, but... I wasn't conscious of my walk. I, I did spend a fair bit of time walking alone by myself because they could walk faster and I'd let them go. Um, 
So I had this real real uh, determination and I thought, okay, I need a little bit of help here. I, I want to walk in alone and I want this to be my completion. Yeah. You know, I, I want all the feelings to be mine. You know, I, I didn't want to share it with anybody, which might sound weird as I've just spent a few days with other people. Yeah. But but I'd started off with the intention of walking alone and, you know, I was on a mission in my own thoughts, things I wanted to resolve and I was taking my brother with me on this journey. He passed away when he was 18 and I was 20. Yeah. Right. So um, I felt that I needed to re- take a step back and start again and finish it the way I intended to finish it. And lo and behold, uh, Fulvio walked ahead and I got to walk in and I got to do what I wanted to do, spend time in and around the cathedral. Um, And then I ran into him and the other people, you know, later on, and I also ran into a friend from Newcastle who had walked two days ahead of me. So... It all worked out in the long run, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's often said that your Camino begins after you arrive in Santiago. Is that your experience? It's, well, you know, because I managed to walk there, uh, I arrived a week before I'd estimated. I only had one day off and that was in Lyon. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I walked to Finisterre and I had a few nights there and then I walked to Musha Mm. and, um, they were two completely different experiences to walking from St. John to, to Santiago. The walk from Santiago to Finisterre, I did in three days because, there's a little short walk there for to make up four days, but I thought, oh, what's the point? Just get there. <laughs> 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 and, but to actually reach the sea, whereas the, the rest of you know the, the month you're walking through the country, yeah. sea the ocean, but to reach the sea and you know be completely encased in the story of the end of the world and and to watch that sunrise over the ocean and the sunset you know, to celebrate the end of your walk, the official end, was, was a whole different feeling. And because I was brought up in Port Stephens um, on the water, my family were oyster farmers. So to get to the sea was a logical place for me to end. How lovely. It felt, felt like an end. Um, and that, that was just rejoicing. Oh, I couldn't leave the place. I loved it so much. And I was lucky I happened to just stay at a pub upstairs that's at the end of the walk before we go up the hill. Yeah, yeah. The road, yeah. And it's it's where a lot of the pilgrims hang out. So the day I was <clears throat> I was having breakfast there and I was going to Musha and I thought, oh, it'd be really nice to walk with somebody who can speak Spanish fluently because I can't. Um, and, you, yes, people had said I, it's, it can be a little difficult with the signposting. Anyway, this girl from Chile walked in, Andrea, and she said, oh, I'm going to Musha and my friend's taking the bus. 
And I said, I'm going to Musha too. Do you want to walk with me? She said, oh, perfect. <laughs> so we walked. We had the best time. And all I had was a bread roll and a can of sardines. <laughs> and she didn't have any food. We had some water. And we found this little place. It was like a hole in the garage that these people had provided for pilgrims. And it was all clean, had a, a bathroom, and it had a, a dispensing machine and table and chairs. So I said, would you like to share my bread roll in the can of sardines because this, this is all we have? And that was that. But, it, you know, the countryside provided because it was abundant with fruit yeah. and um, the apples. And so we had plenty to eat and, and farmers would come out and talk to us and they'd give us food and she could speak to them, which was wonderful. So um, then we got to Musha and I thought, wow, what a magical place this is. Yeah. That was my favourite place. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Just yeah. so beautiful. How lovely. But that, you know, talking about the fruit, you know, walking through Rioja, because it was the beginning of the, the wine festival season, all the grapes were, were going to be harvested. And I'd never seen anything so beautiful. I'd been to Rioja four years ago and been to the winery, some, you know, the wine tasting areas there. But, um, yeah, the, the, the landscape was stunning and all the uh, sunflowers yeah. were dead. And I remember pulling up in a little village and there were two Irish gentlemen there. They said, oh, come, come and have a beer with us, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, it was such a depressing day, all these dead sunflowers. And this fellow said, really? He said, I thought it was beautiful. And I said, well, look at my photos. They're so sad. And he said, look at my photos. And his photos were magnificent. And I thought, well, there you go. Look, huh. I've taken sunflowers, but his were beautiful and, and really lovely. And, but I found it quite depressing walking past all these dead sunflowers, thousands and thousands of acres of dead sunflowers, yeah. And hmm. I thought, it's just how we look at life, isn't it? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I've got a great story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that's what you're asking me at the end, that your Camino begins. So it is different, but the Camino, trying to maintain the Camino as you experienced it when you come back home is very difficult because people aren't living like you're living as you walk a Camino. They don't have the same consciousness and, and awareness. So it can be quite isolating and make you quite restless that you want to go back because you feel safe there. So that's why I started the Newcastle group huh. because I thought it would be really nice to talk to people who yeah. understand the Camino. I don't talk to people all the time or every day, but there's 111 members now um, hopefully they'll become a little more active um, this year with more understanding of COVID and, and how we can move about. Yeah. But I've got great connections, you know, with Rowan and Margaret from the Blue Mountains and I've been down there when John Briley was out from Ireland. Um, so it, it's a, just a growing awareness that, hey, we've done the Camino and good things happened. Let's just have a chat. Yeah. Let's go for a walk, you know. Yeah, yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you wrote in your blog when you arrived home, 
um, you said, I am forever grateful for all the blessings I received, as I truly believe that every day I walked with God. What convinced you, you? What convinced you that God was with you? I can remember um, walking up a road that was quite wide with lots of oak trees hanging over, and it was just a feeling of floating. And whatever I was thinking at the time, all the answers seemed to come, and I felt totally safe as, yeah, just I, I was just being carried along and, and I just had this feeling, you know, you're okay, you're doing fine and just just keep walking, you know, and, yeah, the questions were answered and there was, there was no confusion anymore. It was, there were no voices or anything like that. It was yeah. just this feeling of it's all okay and I, I felt actually that last day that I was walking with Fulvio and he was up way up ahead of me, I thought, ah, that's it. What a dear, sweet man. And I thought, you know, that's that man is the reflection of of what I've become. Huh. Hmm. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where I thought, no, it's time it's time to move on and finish my journey. He must finish his journey. Our friends can finish their journey and then we'll meet up again. And really that's the way it happened. It was just a, a process. It's, it's, You know when you get those aha moments in your life? Mm-hmm. Something switches on. Yeah. It was as simple as that. Yeah. Wow. And just as simple as that. Did you pray while you walked? I, I would meditate. Um, you know, I took my, which is, some people might say that's praying, but I took my uh, mala beads. Um, so in the morning, I part of the process of being alone in the morning was that I had the mala beads, so I could be uh, contemplating if I needed to pray about something. I could do that as I was walking, and you know, however long that would take. Um, I don't know could be an hour or less um you you would just you would just put those away and and walk on yeah um and it was it's a, just such a lovely thing to be able to be with yourself yeah. entirely yeah. and not have to ask permission not have to go to a church or or be with a group of people and i thought that's such a good thing you know learn to be um alone and absolutely at peace with yourself and see what happens. Then you're you're asking the right way. Because every time I did that, it, there, there was a gift. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there were times when I would come across some people, situations that, oh, this is not so good. And so I'd say, well, you know, tomorrow I think we need to change our tact here. <laughs> we'll, we'll go, we'll do something different, and um, and it would all work out. But yeah, it wasn't a problem. Yeah, I think initially I, I was a bit concerned about getting caught up with people who might um, 
might not serve the purpose of where I was going. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. And and I, I met a, a wise, um, another Irishman. He said, oh, you'll be fine, Juliet, to be sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, you'll go well. <laughs> that's great. Don't worry about, don't worry about anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. It, and it, I think, it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the walking is a form of prayer too, isn't it? Mm, mm. Yeah, it's very contemplative. I went for a lovely walk this morning. Um, when you come to Newcastle, <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm able to get this walk organised, um, this is a part of it, and you go, but we'll come, we'll do it in the other direction. But anyway, there's a high water tower, and you walk down to Burwood Beach, and I found some panels with all the history of, of Burwood Beach there, and um, the Aboriginal tribes who originally inhabited the land, which is quite interesting. But there's a big uh, launch pad for the hang gliders and it looks out over the beach. Oh, wonderful. Half, halfway up the hill. It's really spectacular and that faces south. And, um, yeah, I thought that would, that, would be, that would be a good place for a gathering yeah. in the morning. Yeah, so if, <laughs> if, if you're listening and you're not from Australia, um, it's about two hours north of Sydney, and and Juliet is talking about the coast of around Newcastle, the city of Newcastle, and it's really a spectacular coastline. It's a mm. magic country up there. It really is beautiful. Wow, mm. how lovely! Yeah, a lot, lot of history with the, the coal mines. You know, there's tunnels yeah. all through the the um, edge of the cliffs, and you can see the seams of coal as you walk along the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a it's God's country up there, that's for sure. You wrote uh, this blog, and and you you now uh, run the uh, Newcastle Camino Group. Mm-hmm. You've got a what did you say before? One hundred and eleven members. Yes. What do you think? Yes. What do you think uh, the future holds for for you and and the group and? Do you see any time soon that we'll be back there? We'll be able to get back to ca- the Camino. Not, uh, not this year. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't personally want to go overseas if COVID's still rampant. Yeah. In any area, I think that's too risky, and also I don't think it would be pleasant to be in a place where it's under siege or under lockdown. Yeah. Um. So I would, yeah, I'd hold off until 2022. We'll have to see what happens with the vaccines and make sure that they're effective. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, you know, in Australia, I'm hoping to get to Tasmania early March to do the Overland track, which I was to do last year in October and couldn't do. Um so that you know there there are there are wonderful walks in Australia, and I think you they're not caminos per se, but as John Briley said to us when he was here in Australia, um, everywhere you walk is a camino. You don't have albergues and you don't have pulpo <laughs> or you know <laughs> the frittata, but <laughs> It's your intention. It's the inner and the outer journey that he talks about. And if you walk your Camino with that intention, then you have a Camino. doesn't matter where you're going. But I don't know that we can walk in Australia for a month 
straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the difference. I mean, that's the beauty of Spain. It's so well set up for that. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah, yeah, Portugal's quite good as well. I did the Kumano Kodo um, back in 2019, and according to UNESCO, that's equivalent to the Camino de Santiago, but it isn't because it's only about four days, not a month. Um, magnificent, absolutely magnificent country up in the mountains high. But um, we we have to... We have to look at our country and what we can do for it and for one another. I think that's our challenge. Hmm. What a fantastic place to finish the interview. I, I'm certain we'll be back on the Camino when the world returns to normal. It might not be as soon to. as we'd like, but it's yeah. not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll be that's there right. waiting for us on our return. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, Juliet. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And I'll, before I finish and sign off, I'll give everybody the details of where they can find you and the Newcastle Pilgrims Group. Thanks for, very much for Thank taking you. the time. Buen Camino. Yeah, Buen Camino. My guest this week, the Australian Pilgrim, Juliet Clark. And you can find the Newcastle Pilgrims Group on Facebook. And they are always looking for members and happy to welcome pilgrims if you'd like to go for a walk with them and they go for a meal and tell stories and just enjoy one another's company once a month. It's fantastic. Newcastle Pilgrims Group. Phil Cousineau, the American author who wrote The Art of Pilgrimage, The Seeker's Guide to Making Travel Sacred, wrote, I am convinced that pilgrimage is still a bona fide spirit-renewing ritual, but I also believe in pilgrimage as a powerful metaphor for any journey with the purpose of finding something that matters deeply to the traveller. With a deepening of focus, keen preparation, attention to the path below our feet and respect for the destination at hand, it is possible to transform even the most ordinary journey into a sacred journey, a pilgrimage. It's only a matter of time and space. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Some-